The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethesda in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's truth. Thank you that we can know that these are the words of Jesus. God, we thank you for preserving the word for us. God, we ask your Holy Spirit to open our eyes to the truth of what this word is saying, that it wouldn't fall on deaf ears today. God, but your spirit would help us to see the beauty of Jesus, to see the beauty of the cross, the glory of Jesus. God, help us to see that because we know we can only do that by your spirit's power. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this morning. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks, Billy. All right, good morning. Uh, Good morning. (laughs) All right, there we go. Uh, If you're new this morning to Grace City, welcome. And, uh, you know, we're going right now through this uh, series, The Hope of Glory, and and I'm excited. I'm I'm thankful that we are right here in the book of John at this particular time, because I think this is very relevant for our lives. Uh, But before we go into that, you know, happy Veterans Day weekend. Do we have any veterans or people who have served here? Just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you for your service to our country. Um... You know, you, you think about what, what, what kind of church is Grace City? Uh, we are a Jesus church. We are a Jesus church. We are unashamed of the gospel. And uh, here's my hope. My hope that is that if this is your first time here, you find a home here. You find a home here, uh, whatever your background, age, ethnicity, whatever, I just want you to know you are welcome here. And we are a Jesus church. This is a safe place uh, because one of the things we do, we study God's word. We, this is the foundation right here, and we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, all right? And so that's, that's us in a nutshell as a church, and, and so if you're a newcomer today, come to Newcomer Social. Come hang out. Come meet some people that are a part of Grace City, because again, this, that's for, for you guys, and so I'll be there. My family will be there. We'll come hang out, and everybody will just have a great time. Uh, so come out today, right after service, one o'clock, all right? So that's just putting it out there. So there are series. The hope of glory. Uh, My prayer for this series is that we are overwhelmed with the astounding glory of Jesus. That in Jesus, your affections turn from lesser things to the glory of God. Because there are some lesser things that we are putting our hope in right now rather than the glory of God. And what you'll find is that you will find hope as you put your faith in the glory of God. But it's hard to convince us of that truth. Um, This Friday was my wife's birthday, and 
one of the things that I did was I gathered my kids together uh, to go get my wife a gift. And so it's me by myself and three kids, six, four, and three, going into Target in the evening after my son just had karate practice. So they're a little hyped up, they're a little energized, and I'm taking them into Target. And the first thing that comes out of my son's mouth is, so what Lego set do I get today? I said, son, I just had a speech with you guys in the car. We are not going into Target today for you guys. We are going into Target for your mom. It's her birthday. My girls, so what, what candy do we get to choose out for ourselves? And so I spent a lot of my time as I was walking through the aisles convincing them that we were not going for them. We were going for mommy. We were not going for their glory. We were going for the glory of mommy, right? To celebrate mommy. It's her birthday. But it was very difficult to convince them of that. And with that same truth, it is very hard for us today coming in here to be convinced that life is not about us. It's not about our glory. But there is one that is greater than us. It's God's glory. And so I, I want you to know, it's, it's that difficult today for us to understand this, the, the, the beauties of this. But once you understand it, and once you mature, and you, know, you get to this place where you're like, oh, this is so much better. And that's what this text is today, John 12, 20 through 26. And the message today is this, the way of glory. The way of glory. There is an upside down nature to the kingdom of God. It doesn't make sense to our natural way of thinking. And the life, the practices and values of Jesus confused people during his day and they will still confuse people today. It's words like this from Jesus that really confuse us. It's Mark 10:45. For even the son of man came not to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. What this is, is humilitas, the Latin form of humility. Humility. Andrew Murray says it like this, humility is the displacement of self by the enthronement of God. Taking self off the throne, I'm not in charge anymore, but God, you are. And when God is on the throne, it leads to his glory, not ours. See, it's a value of the upside-down kingdom of Jesus. And during the time of Jesus, many in the ancient world valued courage and wisdom, but not humility. Ancient historian John Dixon says this, In ancient Rome, humility was a negative word associated with defeat. Humility before the gods and emperors was advised, but humility towards an equal was, was regarded as ill-informed. One of the prized virtues was love of honor. Academic research found that a humility revolution took place in the middle of the first century. Not only because of Jesus' teaching, Jesus' crucifixion changed the way people understood greatness and humility. The cross of Christ was contrary to the understanding of greatness in the ancient world. Something happened 2,000 years ago that revolutionized the way that we think, the way that we act, the people that we are. It was the cross of Jesus. 
And this reverberates throughout history. See, this is a different way. And what we find is that humility is the way to glory. It's the upside-down kingdom. A French military and political leader, Napoleon Bonaparte, says this. He says, I know men, and I tell you that Jesus Christ is no mere man. Between him and every person in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have founded empires, but on what did we rest the creations of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of men would die for him. The world says the way up is to puff yourself up. Even during the time of Jesus, a little after Jesus, Greek biographer Plutarch uh, wrote an essay, essay which would surely be a bestseller today. And here's what it was called, How to Praise Yourself Inoffensively. We'd pick that one up real quick, right? The world says, if you want power, you take it. Evolutionary thinking says it's the survival of the fittest. The strong step over the weak. But Jesus lived life antithetical to this, a life without positional power. He brought together the weak and wounded in society, illiterate fishermen, and was executed as a criminal, although he was innocent. He was abandoned by friends, abandoned by God the Father, and through his humility, he becomes the most influential person to ever walk this earth. Whether you believe him or not, he changed history. And so what do we learn about the way of glory today? Jesus shows us. And it's starting with, well, three things. First, the investigation. Second, the imagery. And third, the invitation. And so that's what we're going to break down today in our text from John 12, 20 through 26. The investigation, the imagery, the invitation. And so let's start with the investigation. This is verses 20 through 22. Um, And really, this is the question. Who is this Jesus? Who is he? So starting in verse 20, now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip and uh, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee and asked him, sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Commentator D.A. Carson says about this, he says, the Greeks who requested to see Jesus not only represent the whole world, but they stand in contrast to the Pharisees who are exasperated by Jesus' growing influence. So these Greeks came to Jesus really representing the world. During that time, as they were coming to worship at the feast, At the temple, the Greeks would have been met with a huge wall, a dividing wall, that they wouldn't be able to pass through because they were Greeks. And that's really the the term Gentiles we see in Scripture. There's a dividing wall for the Gentiles, the rest of the world, the outcasts, and the people of Israel. Ephesians 2, 4 tells us that it was the dividing wall of hostility They were used to being insiders looking in. And so they were coming to Jesus 
and saying, is this how you receive us? Will you receive us the same way that we find when we come to the, the temple to worship? Another block, another wall, keeping us from God, keeping us from worshiping? Is that what we're gonna find? It's the world looking for an answer, investigating. When they say we wish to see Jesus, the verb for to see is, in this context, means interview. Can we interview Jesus? See, they were uncertain about how Jesus would accept them, and they knew how the temple would receive them, but what would Jesus do? Jesus' closest followers didn't know. <laughs> Let me go check on that one. Let me go see. And so then we get to the next point. How does Jesus respond to what they say? Well, he gives them the imagery. The imagery. Verse 23 and 24. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus doesn't respond directly to the request, but gives them this visual to think on. And what he is answering is the reason behind the request. Jesus understood the separation they were feeling. He understood the hurt and pain that they had been through. He understood what it was going to take for things to really change, bring true change. And what it was going to take was for him to die. Jesus is making himself vulnerable. And so look at verse 24. It says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies. So Jesus is, is giving this farming analogy, right? The, the, this principle that, that we know throughout life. That for something to grow, something has to die. And so if it's this seed that goes into the ground and it dies, then there will be fruit that comes from it. And so I want you to hear this today. This is, this is the message of the gospel. This is the truth of Jesus. It's a vulnerable God calling to vulnerable people. It's a strong God becoming weak. It's because here's the thing. What, what is this grain of wheat that falls into the ground? It's him. It's him. He's saying something has to give here. Really, none of us have the humility to do what Jesus was doing. He says, for things to give, I have to go into the ground. I have to die so that there will be fruit that will come. You see, what this is is a strong God becoming weak. Jesus is saying the only way for you to be fruitful in life, but not only you, for the whole world to be fruitful is for me to die. He's the one who dies so that the people will survive. I remember uh, a movie that came out. It, w it wasn't that great, but it was uh, a movie called After Earth. I was in youth ministry at the time, and it was really the only clean movie that was out there for me to, you know, go to the, with the movies with the students with. So I was like, all right, we'll go to After Earth. Jaden Smith, uh, Will Smith's son, and 
you know, I was just like, oh, okay, let's go and check this out. So anyway, the, 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 the scene, though, that stuck out to me in this movie was as Jaden Smith was running around and, uh, you know, this, again, crazy scenario, earth, he meets this bird, and this bird kind of follows him throughout the whole movie, and at this one point, Jaden is on the ground about to die. And the, the, the movie doesn't show you, but it shows just his body just being dragged, being dragged, being dragged. And then he wakes up, and he looks around, and he's okay. And he, he gets up and he, he kind of gets out of whatever it is that was covering him and he looks and it was the bird. And he turns to the bird and he just says, thank you. And he f- sees that the bird is dead. See, it was the bird that took on the winter cold that he couldn't have survived that helped preserve him, protected him. The bird died so that he could live. That's the same visual that Jesus is giving us today. For you to truly live, it's going to take me dying and sheltering you from the things that you don't even understand. It's the gospel. And to do that is a strong God becoming weak. See, here's here's the message of of the gospel. It's not you and me being strong enough to to get through life. It's not you and me trying to will our way into protecting ourselves so that we can get through. But it's coming under the leadership, the guidance, and the life of Jesus and being protected under his life, knowing that he's the one that gets us through. It's an imagery that Jesus is painting here, and he's saying, I'm the center of this image. And then we get to verse, or the, the, verses 25 and 26, which is really the invitation. The invitation. And this one's interesting. He says, in verse 25, whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will be my servant, or there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Again, commentator D.A. Carson says, this passage runs from Jesus' uniquely fruitful death to the mandated death of Jesus' followers as the necessary condition of their own life. What that means is, Jesus says, Just as I am dying for you, it's going to take you becoming vulnerable and dying to your life to become a follower of me. It's no longer trying to will your way into this, to try harder, to do more, but it's saying, you know what? I can't. I can't. I can't do this. And Jesus is saying, it's this invitation to lose your life. It's laying down my rights. It's laying down my will. It's laying down everything and saying, God, it's yours. 
This is a humble posture. See, the only way that you can become a Christian is to humble yourself, to die to yourself, and what you'll find is that Jesus is better. He's better. Verse 25 says, uh, it's this comparison. It's the one who loves his life versus the one who hates his life. And this is going from a focus on self to being a person that denies themselves and replaces it with Jesus. Jesus gives us this invitation that as we die, we will live. It's an open invitation. Right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not die but have eternal life. It's the invitation to all of us. Right? So where in our lives right now are we holding on so tightly saying, no, 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 this is my life. This is where I live. Because what he's saying is like when, when you hate your life, He's not saying, oh, I hate life. He's saying, I'm choosing to deny this life for a better one. For a better one. Right? To put, to put all my stock, everything, to lean everything into this. And what's going to happen is you're going to feel at times like you're a loser. Like you've lost. But what Jesus says is you're not a loser. That's actually where the glory is. That's where it is. And so some takeaways for today, and this is really where I'm gonna spend a bulk of the time that we have left. How do we know the way? How do we know the way? The first one is this, to see Jesus. See Jesus. Like, okay, as Jesus is talking about himself here, he's saying, okay, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, but it dies, it bears, if it dies, it bears much fruit. Like, where is Jesus in this passage? Where do you see him? Alone? Dying? Being glorified. Do you feel like you're alone? Do you feel like you're dying? Look to the one who truly is. See Jesus. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. I was talking with a friend recently. She told me, she says, you know, it's, it's a different thing when you go from being rich to becoming poor. Because you knew this life, right? Like you knew this standard of living. You knew what it was like. But yet, you become poor. That's what Jesus has done. He knew what heaven was like. He knew the angels singing to him. He knew the glory that he deserved and received, yet he came 
and was spat on, was looked down upon, was treated like a peasant, uneducated. That's how he was treated. Why did he do it? For you. For me. You have to see Jesus doing this for you because that's truly the gospel. See where he is and the people he reaches out to as well. Do you see, do you see like the, the people that he reaches out to? Because again, for some reason, the Greeks, like they, they felt comfortable coming to Jesus. Right, the Pharisees, again, were exasperated by him. They're like, they don't want anything to do with Jesus. They want to kill Jesus. But these guys wanted to come to him. What gave them the thought that maybe he would receive us? That maybe he would talk to us? It was his life. It was his openness to come to the weak, to the vulnerable, to the hurting. It was confusing. Do you see Jesus coming to you in that way? Do you see his heart? See, before anything, before takeaways or any of that stuff, do you see Jesus? Because when you see Jesus, you see glory. And it will just overwhelm all the other fears and all the other thoughts that you have. Because what you'll find is that Jesus is better. See his heart for you. So the first one, see Jesus. The second is this, be inquisitive. Be inquisitive. I, I think a lot of the times what we think is, well, I can't really go to Jesus and ask tough questions. I really can't go to Jesus and wrestle because when I go to people who, maybe they're believers or whatever, and I've asked hard questions in the past, they've gotten really defensive, and they've gotten uh, argumentative with me. Right, like you think, that, that's just how God's gonna be with me. It's not true. See, Jesus is willing to sit there and listen, and you can ask the hard questions, and you can pray the hard prayers, and you might not get the response that you were hoping for, because God's wisdom is higher than ours, better than ours. But what he, he does is he answers. And so be inquisitive about those things. Come to him. Talk to him about what you're going through. Go to Jesus personally in prayer. Read his word. Right, again, like we talk, talked about last week when, when Sal asked me the question, like how many people do you think are reading their Bibles at Grace City? I don't know. But I'm telling you, this is where life is. This is where wisdom is. It's not just some archaic book from thousands of years ago, right? Like, this is God's word. And the, really, the way that I've known it and, and, and seen it is because it's the only thing that's spoken to my heart, my human nature, and told me things about myself that no one else could have told me. That's where even it says in Hebrews chapter 4, like, that this, this word right here, God's word, it'll divide you. It'll cut straight to your heart. And so as you are inquisitive, as you're coming, you will receive wisdom that is not your own. It's not yours. Last night, 
my wife was watching uh, the Cinderella movie. It was the, the new one that came out, the Disney one. And it was a really great movie, done really well. But there's a scene in the movie where she's, she's just like, you know what, I'm just going to be me. I'm just going to be me. I'm going to come before the prince, and I'm just going to be me. And she had to talk herself up to get to this point. Because you know what? She's dressed in rags. And she didn't look like the girl from the night before that was just decked out. And she, she says, she's talking to herself, okay, I'm just going to come to him, and I'm going to be real about who I am. And so she goes in front of him. She says, this is who I am. I'm a peasant. I'm not this princess. And she just tells him straight up, this is, this is who I am. And she asks the question, will you receive me as I am? Will you receive me? And some of us aren't willing to ask that question because we put so many walls up, acting like somebody that we're not, not willing to come before Jesus and just say, Jesus, will you accept me as I am? Here's where I'm broken, here's where I'm hurting, here's where I'm messed up, here's where I need help. Will you receive me as I am? And what you'll find is that there's a prince there on the other side saying, I knew it the whole time. And I was, lo- I was willing to love you right where you're at and to the person that I know that you can become. Right? But we put up so many walls because we're not willing to be inquisitive enough and just say, well, let's ask the hard questions. Again, I was sitting with a friend recently. He just said, you know, I just, one of my prayers is just, Lord, just show me the truth. I know all the lies. I know all the things that are out there right now. Lord, just show me the truth. And as Grace City, can we be a people to just say, Lord, just show me the truth. Show me the truth. Lord, I beg you to show me the truth because we believe that he will. If we come to him like that, go to Jesus, ask really good questions, important questions. Go to people that are here, that have been living this Jesus life longer than you, go to them and ask them the hard questions and they will wrestle with it through you or or with you together to help you on the way. You don't have to do this alone. But I'm asking you, just be inquisitive. And God's given us the church to be a family, to work through this together. Don't run from that. The third takeaway is expect resistance. Expect resistance. Right, as Jesus is saying, like, I I have to be the one who goes in. I have to be the one who dies. Do you not think that in the process of him dying, he faced extreme resistance? People didn't understand what he was doing. They see the king coming into town on a donkey going to a criminal's death. And what their thought was, was surely he's stricken by God. Surely he can't be the king because look at him. He's dying. There's no way that he's a winner. And do you know that that same thing will happen to you in life? As you're walking on this path with Jesus, and you're walking in this Jesus life, like there are gonna be people who are like, man, what happened to them? And you will be misunderstood, and you will have to die to yourself. 
the hardest things for me to do is, is to die to myself. Right? Because for a long time in my life, what I've struggled with is the way that, that people think about me. I've been insecure about that. What does this person think about me? What does that person think about me? But when you die to self, it doesn't matter what people think about you. The only opinion that really starts to matter is God's. And so what he says is, is to pick up your cross daily and follow me. Do you know there's a daily dying to being a Christian? You know what? One day you might do it really well. In other days, you might not. But here's the truth. The thing that covers you is the one who died for you as he picked up his cross, as he died. It covers you. But you have to know that there will be resistance. There will be hard times. And this is a principle of Jesus, this, that dying leads to life. There's this book by a guy named Jack Miller and it's, it's this really helpful book that's helped me through some difficult times. It's called The Heart of a Servant Leader. And in this book, it's just letters that he writes to people that are Christians to help them through and navigate through life. And one of the titles was Something Needs to Die Before Something Can Live in Your Life. And he just writes to this person about, hey, you know, this is your dream. This is what you thought this was going to look like. But that has to die so that God's dream can start to live in your life. But yet so many times we want to hold on to that dream and say, no, I want this thing to live. And that's loving our life. It's loving it to the point where we don't hate it and say, you know what, God, you're saying that's not good for me, so I'm, I don't want it anymore. I want what you want for me. That's better but just expect that there's resistance in that, right? That's, that's part of the Jesus life. But then what you're gonna find is this, this last point, be fruitful. Be fruitful. A lot of the way that we define our life in this world is what is success. And then if we don't find that quote-unquote success, well, maybe if I'm just faithful to this, but it's more than that. It's being fruitful. That's what the scripture tells us, to be fruitful. There's fruit that starts to come out of your life. There are things that start to happen. There's, there's so much more because what is a successful life? It's this, what Oswald Chambers says. He says to, even, to, to do even the most humbling task to the glory of God takes the almighty God incarnate working in us. To even do the most humbling task to the glory of God takes the almighty God incarnate working in us. It's saying, okay, God, I can't bear fruit. I can't be successful the way that you're telling me to. I need you to do it through me. One of the scriptures, even before we started this church, that one of my friends gave me, he gave me John 15. He says, Randall, here's the thing. Here's the truth. You can't do it. What do you mean? I haven't even started yet. You can't do it. Because Jesus says you can't do it. He says you can do nothing apart from me. You can't bear fruit apart from me. So what do I need to do? I need to be con connected to Jesus to actually bear eternal fruit, things that will last. Do you think that way? 
Do you think that way about your life? Do you think, I've got to be resting in Jesus so deeply that to really experience a successful life, a fruitful life, is to be connected to Jesus Christ. Because if, if you take that on, you'll start to see things that other people don't see. You'll start to have vision that other people don't have. And you'll start to see fruit that's happening in people's lives that we can't count. Right? There are things that people can count and there are things that God can count. Right? Like, there are things that are like visible and invisible. What if your life was determined more on things that God counts than what you count? And that when God sees those things, they value, they're more valuable to him than they might be to the world, but it's okay. That's the way of humility. Saying, God, my life is counted by what you say, not what other people say. One of the most humble people I've ever met and known was my grandfather, uh, Henry Tanini, born in a small town, Ferndale, California, grew up in poverty in a lot of ways. And I didn't appreciate it the way I should have. You know, like I, di I didn't really appreciate how humble of a man he was. And I did his funeral two years ago. And I learned a lot about my grandfather because he really didn't say a whole lot, but he just loved people and served the community and just did a lot of great things under the radar. And when I did his funeral, I found a story out from my cousin that I didn't know. My cousin had, did a, had done a, a research paper on my grandfather because he was at the Battle of the Bulge. And he really didn't talk about much about his time in the military. I remember seeing on his back he had a huge scar, but he really never told me much about it. But my cousin said, Randall, I gotta, I gotta tell you this story because you'd really appreciate it. He said, you know, Grandpa was at the Battle of the Bulge. He, there was a grenade that was thrown and shrapnel hit his back. And so he's wounded and he was captured as a prisoner of war. And he was made to march 400 miles from Poland to Germany. And he said, Randall, I found out that this is the thing that really shaped Grandpa's life. He said, because when he was marching, he was losing hope. He thought, I'm not going to make it. Because he's, he's walking in the snow. It's, it's rough terrain. And he's got this wound on his back. And as he's marching, he said he got to this point where he's like in the middle of nowhere in Poland. 
And as he's marching, he looks on the ground and he sees a cross. And he reached down and grabbed the cross and put it in his pocket. And he said from that moment, he knew he was going to survive. He knew he was going to make it. It gave him the hope he didn't have. And he just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And this journey humbled him. It humbled him. And it shaped him. And it made him a different person. And he said, Randall, Grandpa kept that cross to the very end. Do you understand that the way of glory is holding on tightly to the cross, to what Jesus has done for you, to remember it, to put it in your pocket, to remember that every day it is because Jesus died for me that I need to die to myself. See, because in verse 23, he says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. What is the hour? He talks about it all through John. It's his death. He said, the hour has come. The hour is the way for me and you to reach glory. See, it's not that you and I live for him. It's that he lived for us. It's not that you died for him. It's that he died for you. He humbled himself. And Philippians 2.8 tells it well. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's the way to glory. It's to first see the glory of Jesus. See that though he was rich, he became poor. And seeing that in him, as he has died for us, as he has done the ultimate sacrifice that paid all of our trespasses, but also has given us something that we don't deserve. Like I told someone this week, it's like if I were, my brother is a Marine, so if I were to put on my brother's uniform and to walk around like if I had done everything that my brother had done, it, I did not do it, but if I walked around, people are like, oh, well, thank you for your service. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. That's what it is. Like Jesus has given that to us. That's the gospel. That not only your penalty was paid, but you are walking around with God's righteousness of what he's given to you. He is glorified. He's given it to you and the only thing, the only response is, I didn't do it. I don't deserve it. And so that's the king that comes to you and says, will you lay down your rights at my feet and hold tightly onto the cross? Let's go to him today in prayer. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you, God, that you've done it. You are the glorious king seated on the throne, and so teach us your way. Teach us your truth. Teach us the gospel. That God, though you were rich, you became poor. Though you were king, you became a servant. And God, as you see us, really, just as servants, you've called us friends. 
And so we come today because of your kindness towards us, because of your grace upon us. And so, God, I pray that we will be a humble people who find a home in Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.